dick. Run it back. Welcome to Central Alabama Crime Stoppers Podcast. Crime Stoppers is a nonprofit organization serving the state of Alabama to bring together law enforcement, media, and the community in the fight to stop, solve, and prevent crime. Now, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Crime Stoppers podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bowerman, joined by... Tony Garrett. All right, and joining us in the studio is special guest Sarah Stevens with Elmore Otaga News. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, today we're discussing mental health and its impact on families in our area and on our law enforcement community. Sarah, I know this is a topic that has come up multiple times in stories that you've reported in your viewing area. It's a topic that literally we deal with every day. Covering two counties, we have multiple law enforcement agencies from sheriff's departments to police departments and a scanner that runs by my computer 24-7. Every single day, these issues come up. And our law enforcement officers are faced with trying to get in touch with the probate judges and find a a facility for the really serious cases. And more times than not, you can't find one. And talk about that. A big part of this problem is just having not enough resources and not enough locations to house some of these mentally ill people. Uh, Absolutely. And there is some, some good news on that end, some bright news, but... To give a brief explanation of why we are where we are, many years ago in the early to mid-2000s, a lot of the larger facilities for mental health patients were shut down. And the theory behind that was that they would shut down the large facilities, build the smaller community centers, and be able to keep families and you know the mental health patients closer. The problem was that, that never came to be. They shut down the facilities, but they didn't build the community centers. So there's just very few facilities and beds available. But on the positive side of that is that the legislature came up with $18 million last year, and that is the big reason why the Montgomery Area Mental Health Authority has a new facility that's going to open in December, and that is fantastic news, and it's going to save lives, literally. Talk a little bit about the probate judge's office, the, the probate judge himself, it falls on them when these cases come about uh, to, to handle the problem. Well, yeah, pretty much. You know, and it's different in any state you go to. In Alabama, the probate judge handles mental health commitments. And generally what happens is law enforcement will encounter mental health issues usually first. And so from there, they either get them to an emergency room or they contact the probate judge and the problem that we're in right now is even the probate judges are scratching their head because you know they're doing the best they can but there's just no beds they're overwhelmed yes all right well we're going to call probate judge jc love let's give him a call and and we can kind of discuss what what he's facing in his office right now hello judge love this is tony garrett with central alabama crime stoppers how are you this evening sir I'm doing well. How are you doing? All right. I have Ashley Bowerman, and I have uh, good Sarah, evening. I have Sarah Stevens also with me tonight. Also, we're going to be asking you questions about your office and how mental health comes out of your office. As far as uh, what resources do you have for mental health and how it affects the community? Uh, we have uh, P.K. Johnson, who's the chief of Millbrook Police Department, that we are going to interview later on, and we want to have his perspe- perspective about uh, law enforcement and mental illness and how they reach those resources that you provide. 
Well, thank you for having me on, and I'm glad to uh, really be able to have a conversation about an issue that, um, in my opinion, I believe is probably the most pressing issue in our community. It's one that, uh, unfortunately, you're not going to see it on the cover of the Montgomery uh, front page of the advertiser on WSFA out of the news network until you see when it's gone untreated or undiagnosed and there's a an act that it prompts them to, to, to do something. But, you know, it's an issue that even due to COVID, we're seeing more of, you know, more people who never had any uh, type of mental health illness or any problems now are beginning to have issues. And it's one that I believe cuts across all demographics, age, race, sex, nationality. But it's, it's probably something that we, we are seeing more and more of an issue here in Montgomery County. So thanks for bringing light to the issue. And thank you for allowing me to sit at the table and be a part of the conversation. Well, Judge, this is Sarah Stevens, and I'm the Vice President of Crime Stoppers. I also own the Elmore Taga News. So this really is an issue that I deal with every day. And about a year ago, we've started doing a series of articles about mental health. Because our law enforcement officers in Otaga and Elmore counties are just inundated. And I really think that people are trying to do the best that they can. A lot of people don't realize probate judges handle mental health commitments, and so that usually surprises people. But my question to you is, you know, we have a new building that's coming, the Diversion Center that's going to be opening soon in Montgomery, and that's a, a godsend, yeah. absolutely. I was just wondering how much you knew about that, or what is your biggest expectation from that facility when it opens in December? From our perspective, I'm excited about it because it's going to bring us more beds. Um, And that's kind of one of the issues that we face is that we can't accept petition until we have a bed for them to go. You know, we're in a region with uh, 12, 13 other counties that are also trying to get the same beds. You know, unfortunately, decisions were made above our, our, our heads before I came to the bench to get rid of the state mental hospital. So you don't even have the issue of long term commitments. But this will at least give us a few more beds to go ahead and take us for more petitions and try to get some people some help. Uh, we've been involved in it pretty much from kind of the initiation stage, from proposal stage. That we, I work closely with Donna Leslie in Montgomery Area Mental Health, and we've begun to actually have meetings here in Montgomery County with the different stakeholders. So we meet every fourth Tuesday of the month, and we just had a meeting this week with uh, Montgomery Area Mental Health Authority is there, Chief Harris. And the, and the city's crisis, MPD's crisis intervention team, the sheriff department, Sheriff Cunningham and his staff are there. My staff is there, people from the jail, the hospitals are there, all really uh, discussing how we can work better collaboratively. Where are we seeing the gaps, problems, the issues that prop up when we have a person that we're trying to get evaluated and do a commitment? We've begun to at least sit at the table, see where the gaps are, see how we can work better how we can prove the things that we're seeing are problems. But I think with having the, the space and the beds for them to do, to get people evaluated, I think is really going to be improve the level of service we can provide here in Montgomery County. Well, how has the mobile crisis center worked out with the Montgomery Area Mental Health Authority? I was not aware of that until I took a tour of the building a few weeks ago, and they were talking about that, how you know, they have a team that will come to the patient rather than trying to find a place to take the patient. And I, I love that idea. Well, you know, they have a their, their mobile crisis teams. They're working every Monday through Friday from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. during the week in the evenings. And on Saturday to Sunday, they're working 8 a.m. and 9 p.m. We've had situations where 
We've gotten complaints saying that there's a person that's in crisis and they've been available to go out to do an evaluation and necessary, get a petition filed and get them a, a, you know, work to get them a placement so we can go ahead and accept and make a decision on the uh, petition. But it's worked very well for us. And so I've been happy with that. Yeah. Um, and something that's also on that, we even had discussions this past Tuesday about Birmingham Area Mental Health bringing community mental health officer. That's up in the code at 225291, uh, who would be the person that when law enforcement goes out and sees somebody who may be in crisis, that person is called. They go out to the scene and do an evaluation. And if they think they need it, then they direct them to go to the uh, hospital for further evaluation. But, you know, I think the more and more we get these pieces, and even with my office that we've talked with mental health about how we could better assist them with what they do. And so we're waiting to hear back from our county commission if it's been funded, but for a mental health therapist position here as well, who will also be able to conduct evaluations, make recommendations, and help us uh, get, get, get assistance for people. If there is any advice that you could give to someone out there right now, a family, a parent that's dealing with this, they feel like they don't have anywhere to go and they don't, you know, a lot of people don't even know where to start. What advice would you give to them to try to give them a little hope? I'll say two things to you. One, we get a lot of people we see somewhat frequently, you know, or they're a person that's in crisis. The thing that really kind of gets us is that the families wait to the last minute. They don't come to us when their loved one has just started taking their meds. They're wait to the medicine's completely out of their system. They're living behind a locked door. They're afraid of their lives. And then they come and get us. So one, we tell people to be more proactive. And I think what we're trying to do and really build is really take the, the stigma off of mental health, trying to put a more human face to it. A lot of people think it's the crazy person you see walking down the street, but it's really your Sunday school teacher, uh, someone who may be in there teaching one of your kids, your next door neighbor, um, or the people that we see, just everyday looking people. And just trying to encourage people to seek help and trying to let people know that there's nothing wrong with assistance and encouraging people to go and get the assistance. So. I was over at a neighborhood, I was over in Sheridan Heights earlier, and they, talking with them and kind of triggered what I had been talking with other mental health therapists locally is that we're also seeing an increased mental uh, health issues in children because they're internalizing the stressors that their families are facing, whether it be economic insecurity, food insecurity. And so they're internalizing a lot of that because their world and their life has somewhat been turned upside down as well due to COVID from their inability to see their friends, go to the movies, go to the skating rinks, see family, see loved ones, things of that nature. So they're, it's kind of increasing everything around as well. And we've, you know, not too long ago, we had someone who was in their 70s who had never had any issues begin to see it, but just encouraging folks to seek out the resources, don't wait, and encourage a loved one if they see them begin to exhibit signs of mental illness, try to get them some help. Judge Love, this is Ashley. I wanted to ask you, we talked a lot about the bed situation and a lack of space for some of these mental health patients. Talk about a lack of resources, a lack of people, a lack of boots on the ground. What's being efforted in that front? We're talking here with a couple of law enforcement people in our community about how when there's a problem problem, they call you. Talk about how inundated you've been with, with calls recently and what efforts are being made to put more boots on the ground and put more resources, more people in place to respond to these calls. Well, I think one, you've got the crisis intervention team. Before the situation where you had to get the person picked up and bring them to a hospital, which sometimes created issues for the hospital when they look at quality of care issues because it's a one-to-one ratio. you got to have one nurse to patient there that somehow affected their care. If, it was, if the ER was busy that night, particularly with COVID, they created issues for them. So being able to 
have a team to go out and evaluate someone has been really key. The thing that we've really seen is that it was Chief Finley and now Chief Harris is really taking it seriously. So they put in the training through the academy. They're rank and file. They have a crisis intervention team that also goes and when there's an issue that they think that someone may be a mental illness, but they've also begun training their police officers when they see somebody to know and try to be able to assess someone undergoing mental health illness than necessarily being a threat that you've seen in some other cities where they got called to the house because someone was undergoing a mental health episode and wound up getting shot and killed to try to limit them. The sheriff department is really, uh, Sheriff Cunningham really took the lead and he was one of the first to go ahead and include that training to his officers. You know, we've begun to see more resources come to the table. Really the issue we were seeing with the hospitals going on diversion and or uh, there was a hospital that we dealt with that was not as cooperative as they should have been. But with these meetings I talk about, us sitting at the table discussing what's going on, we've been able to work through a lot of those issues. You brought up a moment ago funding. Talk about the need for more funding to make more beds available, to add more resources. What kind of conversations are being had in regard to that? I think a diversion center that we'll have here is a a short-term fix. Um, Really, the issue is without having the mental health hospitals, you don't have the ability to do long-term commitment. So what we do is up to 150-day outpatient commitment or 150-day outpatient commitment. Inpatient commitment is what they do is rapid stabilization. They're just trying to stabilize the person so they don't present to be a harm to themselves or to others. You lost the ability to say, well, this is somebody who may need a longer-term commitment, so let me go ahead and give them a year, let me give them 18 months. Let me give them six months, because what you'll find is when Aller came to the bench is that we would go and I'd order inpatient commitment. And then three months later, the same name would pop up and I'd be like, well, we just did a commitment on this person. They should still be in. And like, no, it does. You know, you have some people with this rapid stabilization. You've done a commitment and they're out in three, four weeks. Now, if they have the support, a place to stay, a support, a family environment, then you are able to do an outpatient commitment, which does have them under the authority of mental health a lot longer because they're still following up with them weekly. They're still making sure they take their medications. And if they don't, then they bring it back before the court. We do it in an inpatient setting. But the real gap is really trying to work with our legislators to really see the need that we need some longer term uh, mental health facilities here within the state. And Judge Love, the opening of this crisis center is a big positive and a big step forward. What do you hope to see put in place moving forward? This is a big step forward in the right direction. Uh, What do you hope to see implemented that can only push this in the right direction moving forward? It'll open us up to be able to serve more people. You know, that's where we get inundated with, with the calls of, you know, this family member, my family member needs help, but they're not enough beds. We don't have a bed available, so we can't accept the petition. And that's bad because you've got someone who is in need of mental health services, presenting to be possibly a threat to themselves and others out there on the street, out there in a home, and able to uh, get the help that they need. So this will at least be able to hopefully be able to service more people and get more people the help that they need. Judge Love, thank you so much for joining us and for talking to us about this. Is there anything else you would like to add before we go? To the folks who are listening, just let them know that people, your stakeholders here in Montgomery County are taking it seriously. 
um, that we're working to try to find ways to fix the problems and work better together to help solve this problem. But really, it's encouraging people to go out and get help. There's nothing wrong with getting help. There's nothing wrong with being someone to talk to. And we're as a evolving process and tell people to be a part of the conversation. We work with NAMI, we, the National Association for Mental Illness on the state and local chapter. I know we've been working with Representative Hatcher with the state and Representative Morris, that they have really kind of taken this issue of mental health locally and have tried to bring people to the table to see how we can bring more resources to the bear. Just tell everyone we're working and we want to help everyone who needs mental health services to be able to get the help they need. Judge, I appreciate it. We appreciate your time. We appreciate the job that you do. Thank you for being our probate judge for Montgomery County. Thank you. What do you guys think? We went over a lot of things with uh, Judge Love. He told us about a lot of issues that's going on, a lot of uh, resources. But what was the most important thing that you think we got out of that conversation? Because for the longest time, very little was being done. But in the past year, they have really ramped it up, particularly in Montgomery County. And obviously, that's the largest population center here. You're going to deal with this more so than other counties around it. Just that there is hope and don't give up because help is coming. Yeah, I think a lot of positives. It sounds like the county is moving in a positive direction. Uh, This crisis center is a big effort being done, I think, to move this positively in the right direction moving forward. Sounds though like a lot still needs to be done, but that a lot of leaders in the community are working hard to fix the problem and put resources in place to fix this moving forward. It sounds like a lot of work is being done and that's helpful to the families in our community who, who need this and our law enforcement community who need this as well. He set the uh, ground for it, but I want to go in another level. I want to bring in PK Johnson. Uh, he's the uh, chief of Millbrook Police Department. And I want to get some ideas from the law enforcement themselves. So I want to get a police chief to pretty much to tell us some of the things professionally as uh, on a chief level, what he's doing with his department and how he's utilizing those resources to make his community better. Chief P.K. Johnson, welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. That's going to be the first question. What type of resources do you use uh, for mental illness? And is mental illness a problem for your police department? Absolutely. We deal with it on a daily basis. Unfortunately, the biggest thing that we have is a lack of resources in that area. As been discussed earlier in the podcast in your interview with the probate judge here from Montgomery County, there are resources out there. But unfortunately, in 2 o'clock in the morning, where in years past, we were able to contact the probate judge and maybe get a protective hold until a judge could start the process and a hearing to determine whether that individual needed assistance or not, we had an ability to at least stop situations or at least prevent them from getting worse before a judge could intervene. At this point in time, we don't have the ability to do that anymore. So a lot of times a police officer is placed in a situation, usually in a domestic situation involving family where someone's gotten out of hand and may be trying to act out, maybe not have been violent to the point that we can make an arrest for domestic violence, uh, but it's headed that way. We don't really have an opportunity to intervene, and sometimes officers are forced to make decisions to be pro-arrest and put an individual in jail that may may not need to be actually arrested and placed in jail. They would probably be better suited to seek mental assistance from a mental, mental health professional. I understand everything he's saying because... Like I said earlier, I have a police scanner that's by my computer, and it runs 24 hours a day, and we cover Prattville and Wetumpka and Millbrook and, you know, some of the other smaller communities, and it really is every day. 
Chief, you mentioned earlier, you know, that you don't want to put these people in jail. Someone that is in a mental health crisis that hasn't committed an actual crime, they don't belong in jail. And, you know, the laws have changed over the years to where you can't legally just put somebody in jail. But how often are you finding situations where there's no beds available and you have nowhere to send these people? Unfortunately, that happens all too often, especially when alcohol and or drugs come into the picture. But for some reason, and I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, but for some reason when you introduce the possibility that someone's abusing alcohol and or drugs, they want to separate the two. And a lot of times they are hand in hand joined at the hip is what we find out because a lot of people that are suffering through mental issues, as Tony alluded to earlier before we started the podcast, they self-medicate in an attempt to dull whatever it is that's bothering them, whatever demon they may be fighting in their mind, and we see that a lot. Fortunately, we haven't had a lot of extremely violent incidents, but you're aware that in Elmore County, just a few weeks ago, there was a situation where a man that had been under mental health care It ended up in a very terrible situation. He was shot and killed by an Elmore County deputy. And those are absolutely the situations I would assume all of you want to avoid at all cost. But it does seem to be a particular problem in Elmore County. And I think some steps are being made to fix that. And I think there's going to be some meetings in the future to try to bring more people together. Otaga County has really excelled in that. I really want to give a thank you to Judge Kim Curvin, the probate judge there. She's having monthly meetings. She is involving law enforcement, anybody that that she thinks can help. And in my opinion, I've been a reporter over 30 years. That is what it's going to take. It's going to take community involvement. And earlier, Judge Love made such a good point. He said, we have got to get over the stigma of mental health because people are embarrassed to talk about it. They don't want anybody to know. This is an issue and it needs to be dealt with. I've always said you have to know a demon's name in order to fight it. Well, mental health is a demon and you can't put it under the rug. Sarah, I wholeheartedly agree. And and one of the reasons I agreed to do this and I'm so passionate about it is not just because my officers deal with it on a daily basis. I've got a family member that I've had to deal with over the last several years And, of course, I won't name his name or say what my relationship is because that's not what this is about. But when you deal with it on a professional level, you're trying to help another family. But when you're looking at it and that's your family, that's your heart that you're dealing with, it comes at you from an entirely different perspective. And you know really firsthand what the frustrations are from a whole different level because there's not a single solitary person that doesn't want to do whatever they can to help a family member. And when you keep running into roadblocks and you're not getting the help that you need, because the bottom line is most of the individuals that we come into contact with are able to function. A lot of times I think people get a stigmatism attached to when you think of mental health, you think of people that can't help themselves, people that are acting out all of the time. And that's not the case. A lot of times these people get up and go to work. They do their job every day. They do things, but something in their life It might be something as simple as somebody didn't get what they wanted for dinner, somebody got late, somebody made a phone call that you didn't know about, and one little thing sets off World War III, and now there's violence in the house and police are in your house, and you're sitting there trying to go, what can we do to help this person? As I said earlier, arrest is not always the best option. It's not the best answer, particularly when somebody is crying out and needing help, because a lot of times that's exactly what this is. These people are acting out because whatever it is that bothers them, what drives them, that causes them to become angry or upset or distraught, whatever vernacular you want to use, 
these people are actually crying for help, and we need to get the resources to be able to do that. And it's not any one entity's responsibility. It's not going to be just about law enforcement. It's not just going to be the probate judge. We're going to have to have everybody involved from family members to law enforcement to the probate judge. And we're going to have to make it easier to get these people help, not harder. Thank you to the Montgomery Area Mental Health Authority. You know, they have been dealing with a shoestring budget, and they have some of the most passionate and devoted people there. I had the honor to meet several of them when they did the tour. And I'm really just hoping that moving forward, everyone together, we're going to find answers to this because it's very near and dear to my heart as well. I've got several people I love. We're dealing with it right now. But I did want to you know, mention, if you're not familiar with the Montgomery Area Mental Health Authority, you can look them up. You know, they have a website. They have a Facebook page. But they cover Montgomery, Elmore, Otaga, and Lowndes. That's a pretty extensive area. But they have created this you know, emergency crisis service, the mobile crisis service. And I've learned in speaking like to Chief Johnson and some other chiefs that, you know, Montgomery has really, really jumped on this. And it is a big thing in Montgomery. But some of the other outlying areas I don't think are aware that this mobile crisis service is available. I'm going to try to do that more so in articles in the future to educate. But people do need to know that there is a mobile crisis service. They will come to you. It's 24 hours a day. That is definitely something that is at law enforcement's disposal. I just wanted to ask you a quick question to kind of wrap things up. Moving forward, talk a little bit about what's being done right now to fix this problem and what you want to see done moving forward to move this in in a positive direction. It sounds like a lot of work already is being done in your community, but what do you want to see done? From a law enforcement standpoint, we are always looking for ways for our officers to become more proficient at their jobs through training. We're trained, trained, and trained. Uh, a lot of our officers have attended conflict resolution training, dealing with emotionally disturbed and people that are in mental crisis, and we're going to continue to do that on our end. Uh, as I stated earlier, I think it is incumbent, and it's going to take everyone. And I, again, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but it's very important when your legislature is in session and when you're speaking with your local representatives and state government particularly because they're the ones that drive the budget for these things, we need to let them know that we're lacking sadly in these areas and we need to find the funding for it. And as much as I or anyone else abhors the idea of paying more taxes, we really need to get the funding for these things because money drives it. And apparently that's why we have a lack of the resources now is because money has not been appropriated for these things, and, and, and we really need to stay on that on that topic and get it done. Uh, really, Chief, that's why we really wanted to interview you, because uh, you are in a smaller community than uh, Montgomery, for example, and anytime you have a smaller community, you lack a lot of resources as a big metropolitan city like Montgomery. How are you dealing with those lack of resources? Are you able to go into a larger a metropolitan city like Montgomery and snatch some of those resources away or is it just you just have to deal with what you have? Unfortunately we have I want to state the first part of that question we have great working relationships with all law enforcement in the Tri-County area Montgomery PD my good friend Mark Thompson in Prattville Sheriff Franklin Sheriff Sedinger we we network we do a great job whatever they've got in their toolbox I've got access to that being said we do not have what we alluded to about the, the beds that are coming in December, and that's going to be a godsend for everybody. 
but that's just scratching the surface. We do the best we can with the resources that are available to us. We spend plenty of time talking to families and letting them know, don't wait until 2 o'clock in the morning. If you've got a family member that's experiencing mental crisis, you need to be speaking with probate. You need to be using every resource, and we do everything we can to educate families that we come into contact that have these things. But from a law enforcement standpoint, we're sadly lacking and we direct people the best way we can. And unfortunately, sometimes we wind up placing folks in jail that don't necessarily need to be there. And I can assure you when that happens, we make sure judges understand that it is not our desire or goal to prosecute that person per se. It's just to preserve or prevent someone from committing an act of violence, maybe hurting someone or them becoming hurt because of interaction with law enforcement, interaction with family members when things get violent. And we do the best we can, but moving forward, I, it's all about the resources and, and making sure we stay on task of getting better and doing what we need to do to support these things. Exactly. Chief, I've known you for a long time, and I, I wanted you to go ahead and express that uh, to your citizens in Millbrook. Just because you are in a smaller community or a lesser populated uh, community, that doesn't mean you have a bad police department or that doesn't mean that your police officers are less than you would find in any other uh, metropolitan city. Millbrook, I love Millbrook Police Department. I love you, uh, Chief, and I love the work that you're doing at the police department. And I want to give each agency an opportunity to come on and tell them how good their police department is. I always tell people, if you got a police officer or a police chief that stands in front of you, they should be saying that they have the best police department in the nation. And if they don't believe in that, then there's something wrong with your police department and something wrong with your police chief or sheriff. If they can't say out of their mouth that they have one of the best agencies in the uh, state, then something's wrong and you need to be asking that uh, police chief or sheriff, what can we do to make our department better? What can we do? What resource can we provide to you to make your agency better? Uh, because I live here, and I need my police department to protect me. So I'm glad you said that, Chief, and I'm glad you pointed that out, that uh, you have a good relationship with all the agencies around. Thank you for joining us and for shedding light on this problem that I know has been ongoing now for a long time, a long, long time. Um, it sounds like some efforts are being done to fix the problem, but you want to see more done. And, you know, that's going to take everyone to fix the problem moving forward. And um, we thank you for all you do and for serving your community the way you do. One question I wanted to ask that we didn't get to, and this is just in regard to mental health, how this is all impacting you and your officers in regard to mental health. Talk about the emotional toll that responding to these cases has on you and all the, the men and women that you work with. Any police officer that tells you that you become numb to this is telling a partial truth because in order to do this job, you, you've got to be able to kind of separate yourself from the situation that you're dealing with. And over a period of time, I, 33 years, I can see things and go eat lunch that most people wouldn't be able to eat after that. But when you're dealing with family, children, the elderly, things like that, and you see these things – it certainly has an effect on you, especially if you've got children or you've got parents that are getting up in age and grandparents. You you don't turn this off like a light switch, or at least in 33 years, I've not been able to find a way to do it because Lord knows I've tried. But to answer your question, it's not just emotional. It ties up a lot of our resources, particularly when we're dealing with the domestic issues that come up with a lot of these families, because a lot of times we get a domestic violence call and 
by legal definition, it's domestic violence, but a lot of times you're dealing with a subject that's having a mental crisis. And a lot of times my officers know this simply by the address they're being dispatched to. They've been there so many times. So you're dealing with tying up resources. You're dealing with how it deals with your emotional, personal feelings, which at the time you're not thinking about you do after the call. When you go home after the night or the day's finished, uh, you think about things like that, particularly in my situation. As I said, I've got a family member that has a lot of these problems, and we deal with that as, as our family. It does impact you, but you have to be a professional, and that's what all of my officers are, and you do whatever you can. And that's what police officers do every day. We, we don't do everything great, but we do a lot of things, and, and, and we do the best job that we can, whether it be dealing with a mental health issue or helping children or chasing bad guys. Unfortunately, that's what, that's what we do. But uh, we all have hearts, we all have families, and we want to do everything we can because they're for the grace of God. And in my case, I deal with it every day. So uh, it does affect you. Appreciate you uh, coming out and speaking with us. Thank you. And anything Central Alabama Crime Stoppers can do for you, just let us know. Tony, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I appreciate the kind word. All right, Sarah, we have interviewed J.C. Love, probate judge in Montgomery County. We interviewed uh, P.K. Johnson, police chief from Millbrook. Mental health is always a hard yes. topic, and I think we've only scratched the surface yes. of mental health. Uh, actually, we had a, a productive podcast that we gave people resources that they can utilize. A lot of people didn't know that um, probate office does so much with mental health as far as getting people committed, being the source that you go to. Right. And another key point to that that people do need to know, you know, if you're in a crisis, you can't get anyone to answer phone calls. If you go to the emergency room at any hospital, they have associations with the Montgomery Area Mental Health Authority, and they will get you in touch with that mobile crisis center. That number is 279-7830 for Montgomery Mental Health. These are important conversations to have. I think that everybody we spoke to today made it very clear that mental health continues to be a problem in this area and that, you know, a lot is being done to fix the problem. But I think, again, I'll reiterate that more needs to be done. We're sitting here with a police chief that witnesses this kind of situation on sounds like a daily basis and has been for years. And they want to see more funding and more resources put into this program, you know, bring this crisis center to Elmore County. You know, we need more beds. We need more this. Something needs to be done. And I think that these conversations are being had. I think the more we have these conversations and the more we sit together and talk like this, I think this is only going to move it in a positive direction moving forward. And that's what we can hope for, for the families that, that live in these communities, for our law enforcement.